Alternative. WXDX FM Pittsburgh. Hey. 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 And iHeartRadio Station. Break the wall. How about this dude from the St. Louis Cardinals made his Major League debut last night and threw seven no-hit innings? Daniel Ponce de Leon. That's his friggin' name, Ponce de Leon. I bet his career ages well. That right there is a really funny line, but I bet it zipped right over your heads. Now, I got a question. How can you pull that guy in his Major League debut when he's got a no-hitter going? He threw 116 pitches. That's a lot, but not overbearing. It's better than getting hit in the head by a line drive, which also happened to this guy, Ponce de Leon, when he was in AAA. Ponce de Leon had a chance to make history last night. No one has ever pitched a no-hitter in his first Major League start. But he got pulled because of pitch count. Pitching in baseball is a slave to pitch count. In 1974, Nolan Ryan pitched 13 innings and threw 235 pitches. When Ryan was 42, he averaged a pitch count of 127 and had a high that season of 164. In 1963, Juan Marichal and Warren Spahn each pitched 16 innings against each other. I understand being careful with the pitcher's arm, but pulling a pitcher who has a no-hitter after seven in his first MLB game, that's being too careful. Hey, PitchCon, guess what? You just made the list. The list brought to you by Matt Mertz Plumbing. Count on a name you can trust. 412-367-0815 is the number to call for all your plumbing, heating, and cooling needs. At about 5.15, about 10 minutes from now, my guest will be Derek Grant, the newest Penguin. My first question to him will be, dude, we got a lot of centers. That's Derek Grant at about 5.15. Uh, Ponce de Leon pitched seven innings, no hits. That's his first major league game ever. Not his first start, his first game. Gets pulled, gets sent to the minors today. St. Louis lost that game, by the way. They lost two runs in the bottom of the ninth and lost at Cincinnati. Good. It serves them right. What if you bought a ticket for that game in Cincinnati where there haven't been a lot of highlights lately? And this rookie has a chance to make history. You have a chance to see something that's never been done. And the kid gets pulled. Ponce de Leon. History gets interrupted by the friggin' pitch count. I wonder what Harvey Haddock's pitch count was in 1959 when he pitched 12 perfect innings. I don't think the pitch count concerned the Pirates or Haddock's too much because he pitched 12 perfect innings. Or one, two. I get so pissed by, like, like, I got tweets, right? You have to protect his arm. Pitch count matters. Not to me it doesn't. Not to those people who bought the tickets in Cincinnati it didn't. I bet Ponce de Leon wanted to stay in there. 
They got a new goofy manager. They just fired Matheny. Ponce de Leon should have been the manager. Right in the dugout. Pow. Right off the skull. Four one two three 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 ninety nine thirty nine up. The two weird stories, which which I thought would gain more traction, Pitt ditching its longtime football equipment manager, and um, the guy from NPR, National Public Radio, whining because his kids couldn't get served at a restaurant in Mount Washington that that doesn't see kids. I love both those stories. The big story is the Buccos beating Cleveland, clubbing Corey Kluber. That's easy for me to say. Seven runs in a six-inning game. Rain shortened it. Trevor Williams got the shutout and the complete game and only did two-thirds of the work. No concern there with his pitch count. Pirates, let me read these, these splits again. They started the season 26-17. and 17. Then they had a streak where they went 14-31. and 31. Now they've won 12 out of 13. Roller coaster of love, say what? Uh, that's just crazy inconsistency. But they're in the hunt, and that's all anybody could really ask. Uh, and then there's the Todd Gurley story. He got a four-year extension from the Rams worth 60 mil, 45 mil guaranteed. That's the deal basically that Le'Veon Bell wanted but did not get from the Steelers. So a running back did change the marketplace for his position, but it wasn't Le'Veon Bell. It was Todd Gurley. But that's good news for Bell because that validates what he wants, and now he'll probably get it, not in Pittsburgh, but he will get it after this season. And I'm predicting, again, it'll be the New York Jets. Let's go to Denise at Irwin. Denise, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Hey, Mark. How you doing? Good, Denise. Hey, um, first of all, I wanted to let you know that the um, career aging wealth didn't go over everybody's head. I got that. Okay, and, good. Uh, I completely agree with you that pitch count doesn't matter in situations like that. If a kid has a chance to make history, let him do it. You know, why, why pull him that late in the game? That is ridiculous. I, I agree. I just can't believe they... I mean, it was something that had never been done before. It wasn't matching or topping. It was setting a new standard. Let's go to Seth and Harmer. Seth, you're on with Double M. Good day, sir. What up? I just wanted your take on the whole pitch count thing. Um, Do you think it's because these teams, I mean, nowadays there's so much more investment in these arms with the the millions of dollars they're getting paid? Oh, no, no, don't, don't get me wrong. I understand the investment in the pitcher's arms. I also think they go too far in the other direction, not strengthen the arm by pitching it enough, which certainly worked for a bunch of guys throughout history. But even if you adhere to pitch count, I think when a guy has a no-hitter after seven in his first major league game, I think you let him see if he can get through eight. No, I agree. I think Because don't forget, you're not, you, 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 there's no guarantee he pitches nine against the no-hitter. He might give right. up a hit on the first pitch of the eighth, and then you get him out of there. Yeah, it's you're right about the extremes because it seems like in the playoffs, like the star ace is going like every other day, even if it's out of the bullpen for an inning. Well, that that that's not true. They do pitch more in the playoffs, but uh, it's still basically a five. Well, you know what? They use a four man rotation in the playoffs, but there's off days for travel, so 
they, they take a little more risk in the postseason, but not much. Up next, the newest Penguin. It's center Derek Grant here on the home of the Pens, 105.9. This is Sidney Crosby of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden and the best hockey talk on 105.9 The X. My guest right now is the newest member of the Penguins, having just signed as a free agent. It's a pleasure to welcome center Derek Grant. Uh, Derek, we'll get to the hockey in a second. What about this big fish you caught? I got this picture, this <laughs> this sturgeon. What is it, eight foot long? Where the heck did you catch that? Uh, yeah, the big one we got, uh, I think it was about eight foot four, uh, estimated around 330 pounds. So, uh, that's not too far from where I live, uh, here in BC on the, on the Fraser River. Now, what do you do with that fish? Do you mount it? Do you throw it back? Do you eat it? I mean, what's a sturgeon for? Uh, you can't keep them. So, uh, there's a, there's a tag and, uh, just a catch and release. And, um, you know, they try to record them and, uh, you know, monitor their growth and all that. So, uh, I know, Years ago, you used to be able to keep them, but uh, now they're a protected species. So um, they're just a lot of fun to catch, and, and it's a lot of fun to get out there on the water. How long did it take? Uh, the big one was probably, I think it was our last fish we caught that day, and um, that one was probably just under an hour of battling. So um, your arms and your back are pretty sore afterwards, but uh, it's definitely worth the fight. Wow, that, that's amazing. Well well done, because that thing looks like the Loch Ness Monster in this in this picture. Now, <laughs> Hockey-wise, let's start with the obvious question. The Penguins have a ton of centers. You're a center. What made this situation nonetheless attractive to you? Well, I think um, anytime you get the opportunity to, to come to an organization like Pittsburgh, uh, you want to you want to take that opportunity. And I think um, you know, talking to Jim, um, he said that that most of the centers and and me included are are able to play the wing. And um, I think anytime you want to have a a good championship team, you have to have that depth down the middle and. Um, you know, I think it, with the versatility of having guys, you know, being able to play play the middle or play the wing, um, I think it's a good problem to have. Now, how often have you played wing, Derek? I know you do have some experience uh, at the wing. Yeah, I played, um, you know, kind of in and out uh, pretty much every year of my career so far. Um, obviously, mostly center the past couple of years. Uh, but I think growing Growing up, uh, you know, I, I was mostly a center. Uh, I played wing, actually, for probably a full season um, when I was uh, just coming into the league. And then, uh, you know, I took on the center role and, um, you know, tried to develop my game into into a full-time centerman. But, you know, you find yourself in different situations and on different teams where, um, you know, you have five or six centers and, and somebody's forced to play the wing. So um, it's a bit of a learning curve, I guess, at the start. But, uh, you know, it's not too bad. Now, you were a, a big point producer in college with Michigan State, and you've adapted to a third, fourth-line role in the NHL. What's that adjustment been like? How much has your game had to change? Yeah, I think uh, when I first came into the league, or to the American League especially, um, you know, we had a pretty good deep team, and I was kind of forced into um, you know that third-line center kind of checking role. And um, you know, I had Luke Richardson as a coach there, and he's obviously a, a pretty defensive player and defensive-minded player, and he helped me out a lot uh, in that regard. And um, you know, I just I tried to take that season and and take that position and run with it, and um, you know, take a lot of pride in the in the penalty kill aspects and the defensive shutdown uh, you know style of play. And I think uh, you know, I've been forced to kind of play up and down the lineup pretty much everywhere I've gone. And, uh, you know, I think it's kind of helped me round out the game to the point where I'm pretty comfortable, whether it be in a scoring role or in a checking role or in a fourth line role. And, um, you know, I think that's that's kind of helped me, um, you know, get to this point in my career. Now, last year was big for you at Anaheim. 
Uh, you even got some talk six time because of injuries. What enabled you to have such a good season? Uh, 12 goals, a career high, a pretty good year. Yeah, I think for me, um, obviously you never want uh, you know some of your best players to get injured, uh, but uh, you know it worked out in my favor last year. I was I was given an opportunity early on in the season to to play with some pretty high end talent players, and um, you know I was able to click with those guys. And uh, I think for me personally, it, it's you know that confidence that you gain throughout throughout those minutes and and throughout that time it, it goes a long way in the rest of your season and um you know what when i went back down to to the fourth line um, you know I, I think you play with a little bit more confidence and a little more edge and um you know i just tried to learn as i go and um, you'll get better every day i show up at the rink now were you surprised and, and maybe disappointed derek that anaheim didn't do more to try and keep you uh what were your discussions like with the ducks yeah i think um you know at, at the end of the year we kind of um you know, both had interest in, in me coming back, and um, obviously it's a, it's a long time between the end of the season and, and free agency, so, you know, it's pretty quiet for, for a long period of time, and you're not too sure what's going on, and then as the, as the time gets closer and closer, you just, uh, you know, you kind of wait and see, and, um, you know, I thought, uh, we thought we might have had a deal somewhere on, on July 1st, but uh, it didn't go through. And then you find yourself uh, in a bit of a waiting pattern. And, um, you know, fortunately enough for me, um, you know, Jim called and um, you know, I was happy to, uh, to, to to come and be a part of the Pittsburgh Penguins, that's for sure. We're talking to Derek Grant. He's the newest Penguin here on the home of the Penguins, 105.9 The X. Now, I know you've known Justin Schultz since junior hockey, and you spoke with him before you signed with Pittsburgh. What kind of insight did he provide? And was that important to hear some stuff firsthand from a player? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, any, anytime you can talk to a guy that, um, you know, has kind of been in a similar situation, um, and then been with a team for, for a good amount of time, it's, it's, it's always important. And, um, you know, Schultz had nothing but, but good things to say. And, um, you know, we were, um, at a golf tournament for, for a charity here. And, um, you know, he just, he had nothing but great things to say about the guys and about the organization and about the city. And, um, you know, just, it makes you that much more excited and, um, you know, I think knowing him as well, it makes you a little more comfortable, um, you know, going into camp. Now, you played about 300 minor league games before you became a regular in the NHL, Derek. How did that experience uh, shape you as a player and as a person? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the NHL is a funny league because, you know, nobody really wants to be there. Everyone wants to be in the NHL. But, uh, you know, for me personally, it's, you know, you play with so many great players and, um, so many guys that push each other every day because everyone wants to get to that next level. And, um, you know, I played, I played on, I think, three different uh, AHL teams. And, um, you know, you learn a lot um, from the older guys on those teams when you're a young guy. And then pretty soon I was, I was one of the, the veteran guys on those teams. So you learn a lot from the young guys too. And you, and you, um, you know, push yourselves and push them. And, um, you know, you develop maybe a bit of a leadership role. And uh, I think that goes a long way. And I think that league is, is getting stronger and stronger. And, uh, you know, the players keep getting better. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a great developmental league. And, um, you know, I was fortunate enough to uh, be able to play as long as I did there. And, and it's propelled me into this next level. Now, Derek, you're good on draws. Uh, you won 53% of them last year, and that's certainly a, a valuable skill. Does that come naturally to you? Or is it something you've really had to work on over the years? I think it's it's a it's a it's a you know a game of uh, it's it's a mental game I guess I could say um, you know I've I've worked on it a lot um, there's not a lot of of things you could really do to prepare other than you know trying to think about what other guys are going to do and 
and then focusing on what you do well. And, um, you know, I think it's something you have to work on. We, we usually work on it every day or every couple of days at, at practice or in the morning or morning skates. And, um, you know, I like to watch video on, on the other centers as well and, you know, kind of see what they're, they're doing or they're thinking. And, um, you know, if you get put in a similar situation to, to something they did another day, um, you might know uh, what they're trying to do and, and can counter that a bit. Now, maybe intimidating isn't isn't the right word, Derek, because you're not a rookie, but what's it going to be like to, to walk into a locker room with Crosby and Malkin and, and guys who have won a few Stanley Cups? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, obviously there are two world-class players, and, um, you know, there's there's even more than that on the team uh, for world-class talent. And, um, you know, you sit there and you you play against them or you, or you watch them on TV, and, um, you know, obviously they're, they've done a lot in their careers. And, um, you know, it's... I said to Schulte too. I said it's it's a pretty cool group of guys you have, and and a couple Stanley Cups, and um, you know being a part of a, a team that you know the core, pretty much all the core has has been there and and knows what it takes. It uh, you know obviously it's it's a special environment, and I'm excited to be a part of that for sure. Derek, listen, thank you so much for taking the time. Is any more fishing planned between now and training camp? I'm assuming so. <laughs> Nothing scheduled yet, but. Uh, you know, it's a blast being out there, so hopefully I can get out one more time. Well, don't get hurt fishing. Don't don't begin your penguin <laughs> career that way. I'll leave the big ones in there for you. <laughs> Derek, thanks again. We'll see you at camp. All right, thanks a lot. That is Derek Grant. Good to talk to him. Uh, Bob McLaughlin retweeted the picture of him with his sturgeon. Eight feet, four inches. Yikes. It really does look like some kind of a Loch Ness monster. Now, if I'm not mistaken, and I'm not, I didn't Google this. I think sturgeons produce caviar. I think caviar is sturgeon eggs. We'll either confirm or deny, and we'll give you the final verdict on that in just a few moments. Uh, Also, Stephen A. Smith has spoken out on behalf of Le'Veon Bell and saying, pay the man. We'll tell you exactly what he said in a moment here on 105.9 The X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. It'd be the hoity-toity instead of the hoi-polloi. Double M, what's up? Idiots are often happy, but they have no real impact in this world. Unless, of course, they're good enough to make the NFL. The X at 105.9. Double M on X. 412-333-9939. Well, as we've been talking about all day, Todd Gurley from the L.A. Rams, who is the best running back in football. No matter what you think, no matter what the Steelers think, no matter what Lev Bell thinks, Todd Gurley is the best running back in football. And we know this because Todd Gurley had the best year last year among running backs. So, he got paid. Lev Bell won to set the bar. Gurley's the guy who set the bar. He got $60 million over four years with $45 mil guaranteed. That is the key figure right there, $45 mil guaranteed. That's no knock on Bell. That just confirms who's better. It confirms what the statistics already told us. But Stephen A. Smith seems to think Lev Bell's better. Here's what he said, quote, Mad props and congrats to Todd Gurley. He deserves his money. However, if he deserves this money, what in the hell does Le'Veon Bell deserve? It's time for the Steelers to stop playing around to take care of this man. He's not just a runner, he's all-purpose. And with Big Ben aging, that just makes him that much more important, unquote. 
Okay, first off, Stephen A., just because you're overpaid doesn't mean Lev Bell has to be. Second off, they paid him 12 mil last year, 14.5 mil this year. I think that equates to being taken care of. You know, there's this perception that if you get franchised, that your team's not paying you the money. Like, it comes out of the clear blue sky. Well, they didn't give him the long-term deal, and now he's getting 14.5, but that's for one year. It's still 14.5, and the Steelers are still paying it. And, you know, when when Stephen A. says, if Gurley deserves this money, what the hell does Le'Veon Bell deserve? I'll answer that. Less than Gurley got, because Bell isn't as good as Gurley. You know, here in Pittsburgh, and I, this is you people out there, you people, and the media around here too, you like to beat your chest saying, we got the best running back in football, we got the best wide receiver in football, we got one of the best quarterbacks in football, then how come you don't win more? How come you can't beat New England? How come Jacksonville beat your ass up and knocked your ass out twice last year if these guys are all the best at their positions? Somebody please answer me that. 412-333-9939. Now, on a lighter note, speaking of guys who are the very best at what they do, about 10 years ago, I think, Mario Lemieux built a ski lodge near Montreal. A winter home. It's a ski lodge, but more like a castle. 17 fireplaces. It's a whole lot of wood. When Al Mario's trying to sell it, listen to the price tag. It's on the market, $21 million. $999,000. Wait, let, I, let me. I, I botched it. It would have been better if I got it clean. $21,999,066. He tacked 66 onto the price tag. You know who should buy that? Le'Veon Bell. If he had gotten paid what the Steelers should have paid him, then he could afford it. Instead, it'll go to somebody like Slava Medvedenko. I do love Stephen A., but he's he's way off base on this one. Let's go to Duke in North Hills. Duke, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark, uh, who's the bigger douchebag today, Pat Narduzzi or Todd Graham? Well, I don't know. I haven't, you know, I've never dealt with either one because I don't want to. You know what I mean? I love when people say. <laughs> Well, you don't know those guys. That's right, because I don't want to, because I've avoided them like syphilis. Uh, I've heard more horror stories about Todd Graham than I have Narduzzi, but but the, the, the stories about Narduzzi are catching up quite quickly. They really are. He's just a guy. Here's the thing about Narduzzi, and I hope somebody tells him I said this or that he's listening. The thing about Narduzzi is he thinks he's way more important than he is, Okay. He's a college football coach in a pro sports town, which means nobody really gives a flying fornication. And to top that, his program's not that good. It's okay, but it's it's not that good. It, it could and should be better, although I don't know if it will ever be better. But he, he's the guy, he acts like he's the lord of the manor. 
He acts like being a college football coach in Pittsburgh means something. And here's something I guarantee. I would guarantee this. Put me and Pat Narduzzi in a sports bar at the same time, more people would come up and talk to me, ask me for my autograph, ask me for selfies, than they would Pat Narduzzi. That is a guarantee. I am a bigger name and a bigger deal in this town than Pat Narduzzi. No question. Let's go to Jeff on the road. Jeff, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Mark, how long can Bell hold the franchise tag for? Just till next year? Well, he could be franchised again next year. They'd have to pay him like $17.5 million. Well, 12 last year, 14, 45, 17, and the year after that, in four years, he would make more than $45 million. Yeah, I, I have a calculator here, but they're just, they're just not going to franchise him next season. They're just not. Okay, that's all. I mean, they just they, they don't want to pay him what he wants. It's not a matter of negotiation because the Steelers, one thing you got to say about the Steelers, you got Stephen A. Smith, you got to pay the man. Steelers tried, okay? The Steelers had a figure, Bell had a figure. Last year, the Steelers came off their figure, but Bell didn't budge. The Steelers gave a little, Bell didn't give any. This year, same thing. The Steelers gave more. Bell wouldn't give any. Bell wants what he wants, and he has no intention of compromising, and that's okay. He has every right to be that way, but now he's reaping, for better or worse, what he sowed. But, you know, getting for, like, like I can't believe if you, if, if you made $14.5 million a single year that you wouldn't be set for life. I can't believe anybody with an IQ over four wouldn't be set for life having made that in one year. Let's go to Zangelo in Beachview. Zangelo, you're on the air. Hey, Mark, who do you think will be a better all-time basketball player, LeBron James or Michael Jordan? Why would I talk about that? Why I haven't talked about that all day. Yeah, but I just wanted to, I want to know your opinion. I have no opinion. Not now I don't. Maybe next segment, ask Mark anything. I will. And it is time to ask Mark anything. And between you and me, buddy, I think LeBron's the better player. I think Jordan's the bigger winner. But if you look at LeBron's size, bulk, and athleticism, I don't know how anybody couldn't conclude that he's the better player. But now it's time to ask Mark anything. 412 9939 is the number to call. That's 412-333-WXDX. I got so much feedback yesterday, by the way, on the alternate way of preparing nachos. One nacho at a time. Uh, Weird stuff gets feedback. I like alternate versions of food, whether it's one nacho at a time or square pizza, grilled mashed potatoes with meatloaf. You throw the mashed potatoes on the grill before you serve them. That's great. Uh, turkey burgers, which require different toppings. French fried turkey. Some people deep fry turkey. Uh, hey, after 22 years, you take talk where you find it. Uh, another quick note. Uh, we always talk about good sports movies. A really good one I've watched for a second time recently is Battle of the Sexes. I watched it last night. A part of it, Billie Jean King was such a pioneer. For women's tennis, the greatest of all time when it comes to impact on women's sports and on women's tennis is undoubtedly Billie Jean King. 
Serena Williams is a great tennis player, but has had nowhere near the sociological impact. Billie Jean King did it all for women. LGBTQ, equal pay, respect, the whole nine yards. And Bobby Riggs was a catalyst. Somebody had to lose that match. I mean, he didn't, well, years later, he told people he threw it because he owed the mob money, which I just don't believe. But but to, to create a hero in Billie Jean King, there had to be, I don't want to say a villain, because Bobby Riggs, he was the lovable con man. And Steve Carroll, as Bobby Riggs, is delightful in Battle of the Sexes. You know who else is really good? Sarah Silverman. Uh, she plays like the, 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 the woman who ran the Virginia Slims tennis tour. Excellent. If Sarah Silver, Silverman didn't tweet, I'd love her. Time to ask Mark anything. 412-333-WXDX. Friends. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Double M, big fan, big fan. Well, no, I just said, I don't know what I said. I don't know what you said. Uh, double M. Yeah? The X at 105.9. Double M on the X. Time now to ask Mark anything. 412-333-WXDX is the number to call. Ask Mark Anything brought to you by Chapino Restaurant and Cigar Bar. It's the city's best seafood and chop house, and it's located in the Strip. So be sure to check out Chapino. Uh, let's go to Mike in South Hills. Mike, ask Mark Anything. Hey, Mark, in the spirit of Shark Week, how would you feel about going face-to-face in one of those cages with a great white? I wouldn't. I'm not a big fan of Shark Week. I mean, all it is is just like nature programs about sharks and I'm just not interested. It sounds like it's more fun than it is. And if if there was more than one movie as good as Jaws about sharks, I would partake. But uh, really, Jaws 2 wasn't even remotely comparable to Jaws, let alone Jaws 3 and all the imitators that spawned after. Let's go to Ryan on Southside. Ryan, ask Mark anything. Hey, Mark, related to your discussion of alternative takes on food, I wanted to run something by you. If you're having, like, meatloaf or maybe pork and sauerkraut, make a sandwich out of one of those things. Use mashed potatoes as the condiment on your sandwich. What say you? I've never done that. Have you? I have. It's excellent. See, I don't have leftovers because I almost never eat at home. The only time I have leftovers is if I bring something home from a restaurant or if I get pizza, which I almost never do anymore, and I have some pizza left over. I'll tell you, I'll you, tell you something I have tried. Crushed potato chips on a sandwich. Excellent choice. Yeah, not much for, for my health, but, but you know, tastes all right. That leaves the line open, 412-333-WXDX. Uh, let's go to Juan in Pittsburgh. Juan. We don't get a lot of Juans calling. Juan. Ask Mark oh. anything. Uh, well, first off, I'd like to thank you for letting me be on. I'm your biggest fan. Um, well, that's good to have you, Juan. Um, and second off, I'd like to know, what do you think about IUP second-year head football coach Paul Tortorella? You know, he led him to the Final Four this year, and I want to know what you think about him. Buddy, do you know somebody who plays there, or is that coach related to you? No. I just, I'm a big fan of them. I went to college there. How old are you? You sound like you're 12. I'm 25. No kidding. Wow. Uh... Uh, buddy, I don't follow IUP football. I just don't. I'm glad they're doing good because you seem to be a fan of them and me, but uh, I don't give a rat's ass about none of that. Today's show has been rotten. Well, no, I think it's been really good, but but the 
we only took two calls up until Ask Mark Anything. But I had a lot of stuff. I that That's good, I guess. I just... Ask Mark Anything, though. I got to come up. I got to change things around. I got to come up with an alternative to the list and an alternative to Ask Mark Anything. Ask Mark Anything has been part of this show for, for 22 years. That can't be good. That just can't be good. Let's go to Steve in the car. Steve, Ask Mark Anything. Hi, Mark. Uh, better movie, tough guy, hero, Steven Seagal or Jean-Claude Van Damme? You know, Steve, that's actually a really good question because I don't put a lot of stock in either of them. Do you? Not really from an acting standpoint. I mean, there's Bruce Willis. Well, no, no, ne- neither one is Sir Lawrence Olivier, to be sure. <laughs> my, my point about Seagal is Seagal's not an imposing figure. He's tall, but he's, you know, kind of skinny, right? I mean, yeah, he's not defined. John claude Van Damme looks like a, a, a male runway model. <laughs> I, I don't believe a guy like that is tough. Uh, I got to tell you, though, for pure violence, the Seagal movies top the Van Damme movies. Don't you agree? Oh, yeah, March for Death, uh, Under Siege. I mean, but there was Sudden Death with John claude Van Damme. <laughs> What's the movie where uh, Seagal plays a cop in Chicago who fights corruption? All of them? <laughs> no, no, no. The one he's a, above the law. Like Sharon years. Stone's his wife. Above the law. Oh yeah, yeah. The one he's in a coma, but that's with uh, I think Kelly LeBron. He just kills and kills and kills and kills. <laughs> Let's go to uh, Justin in the shady side. Justin, ask Mark anything. Dortmund and Benfica, Mark. Who do you got tomorrow night? Oh, bro, it's so hard to tell in in friendlies, which is all these are. You know what's weird? We had Christian Pulisic on before, and that was a lot of fun. You know, he played 45 minutes in each of the first two games, which were Thursday and Sunday. I wonder how much he's going to play tomorrow night, but they wouldn't have played him in the other games and then bench him in front of his family, would they? I wouldn't think so. I mean, I think he's got to get the start tomorrow night. Well, again, it's an exhibition game. I think Dortmund's the better team. I think Dortmund's better than Benfica. If 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 Bayern Munich weren't in the German league, Dortmund would win a lot. They have won uh, recently under the guidance of the current Liverpool coach uh, Jurgen Klopp. But uh, but that that's a real good soccer club, no question. Let's go to Rick in the truck. Rick, ask Mark anything. Rick, you there? Rick's not there. Let's go to Mike in New Ken. Mike, ask Mark anything. Hey, Mark. Hey, Mark. Honor to talk to you. My, uh, I'm calling for my girlfriend. She wants to know where you buy your shirts, your Hawaiian shirts, and why you wear them all the time. She's she's intimidated. She's afraid to talk to you. Uh, okay, well, when I worked in wrestling for WCW, uh, I, I used to wear a, a suit jacket as an announcer, and then we did a, a show at Spring Break in Panama Beach City. And we all wore Hawaiian shirts. And our creative director, Vince Russo, thought I looked like John Candy in Summer Rental. So he told me to keep wearing the Hawaiian shirts every week. And uh, I did so, and fans would give me shirts a lot of the time. And I still have some of those shirts. But but where I get them is, I forget the brand name. But at DXL, uh, the Big and Tall Store DXL, they have a good selection of Hawaiian shirts for Big and Tall. 
that it? Good. Time to go to the Eagles. In fact, you could say I'm already gone. Get it? 105.9 The X.